Welcome to our podcast, everybody. I'm your hostess, Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. Figure Chick 911. As always, to our loyal listeners, it's awesome to have you here. Thank you for joining us today. For those of you who are new, welcome. Our purpose for this podcast here overall is to actually assist you in championing your goals in any area of your life and more specifically to shorten the window of time between idea inception and execution and certainly you know if you've set a goal of any kind in any area that it's all about the action right like you have to actually do something in order to actually achieve your goal but when you do that you learn a lot about yourself on the roll towards a goal attainment in any particular area and so when people talk about like it's not just achieving the goal it's who you become along the way it's a hundred percent true and as you go along your life you learn life lessons And I find it's really interesting that you can have goals that you set a long time ago and sometimes your ideas are so vast, but you simply do not have the life experience and the wisdom that comes along from living that life experience to be able to bring your full entire vision or goal to fruition. Right. There's only some things that, you know, after you've you've lived and you learned. Right. And oftentimes as you go along, at least it's been my experience that you have series of pitfalls that happen and some are deeper than others. And some can take you down into the underworld for a period of time. And, you know, if you are a goal driven individual, you usually climb out of that pitfall or pithole rather like somehow and you move forward. And what I'm going to tell you is that eventually you, you eventually have to go and make peace with certain things in your life. Now, here's what got me started on this. Like I intend for this to be in like a very positive, you know, coaching call that we're going to be doing here. But today is September 11th. This is the year 2018 at the time we're recording this. And my, I think the, the biggest question is, where were you when 9-11 happened? Some of you may not have even been born yet, or if you had, maybe you were very young and you don't really remember. And, you know, here's me, you know, flashback into history. But I remember clearly exactly where I was and all of the feelings that centered in and around 9-11 it was just it was one of those times it was it was kind of like two sides of of a coin on the one side it was the most tragic and devastating and sad time I think our country has ever seen and the fallout from it was just horrendous but by the same token our rebuild and how the country came together during that time is all what America is actually all about. And so having passed 17 years now, which is crazy, like how that time even passes, it got me thinking about when you are recreating yourself or when you're doing something new, you're beginning a new chapter in your life, a new book, a new season, whatever verbiage you like to put on, you know, the project that you're working on. For me, I can tell you that 
9-11 and the events that happened afterwards, everybody has stuff in their life which changes them forever. Sometimes for the good and sometimes for the bad. And you know, a lot of it, it builds you into the person that you become. And I unequivocally believe, like I, I look back, you know, I'm one of these people, I look close up at details and then I take a step back and I look at trends and I look at how things progress over the long term and, you know, try not to repeat the same sort of mistakes over and over and over again. And, you know, I like to do that. Like, I like to have that sort of nimble ability with my mind to be able to do that. And I was thinking, you know, when 9-11 happened, uh, to set you up, this is, all right, this is where I was at. If you've been on these podcasts before, a lot of them were talking about my personal transition in either getting ready to leave my previous career of working as a nurse and some of like the experiences and my feelings and, and you know, what it was like doing that. And 9-11 was actually one of those quintessential times that it did a major pivot in, in how I was operating. So it, it uh, nine September 10th, actually, the day before, um, was actually, I was already in route to somehow advancing myself in the, the, the industry of nursing. Okay, so I was not knowing what I wanted to do outside of healthcare. I'd already had a lot of time invested into it. The natural uh, source of progression would be to go and get my master's and go to anesthesia school. And I was actually in grad school on September the 10th. And I was, you know, in there. I remember I was sitting next to one of my girlfriends. And then afterwards, I went and had a date with the guy who's actually, for me, I consider to him to have been like, you. everyone has that one great love in their life. And he was mine. And we had dinner. And uh, I went home that night. And I was actually due to work night shift on September the 11th. So my strategy when I was flip-flopping from day to like night shift hours is I would stay up really, really late. So like till three or four o'clock in the morning so that I could sleep during the day and then be awake and be able to endure not just the 12 hour shift, but the drive between there and work. Cause it, it, it always sucked. <laughs> I didn't want to fall asleep while I was driving. So I had this like whole, you know, system worked out. So that's what I did. So I stayed up till like three or four o'clock in the morning morning. I went to sleep, you know, closed my blackout curtains and all this stuff. And I had just moved um, actually uh, into a town where I'm, I'm currently staying right now. So it's interesting, like how life, you know, flips back around. And uh, I didn't have internet and I didn't have cable. Like I think I had just moved into this place. And at about 820 or 825, the phone rang. And it was a friend of mine and he was kind of like the Paul Revere, I guess you would call him. And I just remember him yelling like they just, they hit the Twin Towers. And I didn't even know what the Twin, I didn't even know what Twin Towers were. I had never been to New York. I never really outside of the Statue of Liberty and maybe the Brooklyn Bridge. I didn't know any of the landmarks there. So when he said this, I didn't know what it was, but by the sound of his voice, like the, the tenseness and, and the tonality of his voice, I knew this wasn't good. And so I tried to, turn on my radio 
and it didn't really have a great antenna so I'm trying to like flip through the stations and I'm listening to things and if you were around like that morning it was so chaotic and the news stations were trying to flip on to see what was going on and, and you know everything with the Pentagon like there was so much chaos that was happening and the first thing that came into my mind was once the dust settled and and the, you know the tower towers went down and then it was quiet right and they like they halted all air traffic and it was living pretty close to O'Hare airport you know via airspace for us to not have planes or any sort of air traffic like small little planes or even helicopters it's very abnormal and you don't realize how much noise is made via air traffic until you don't have it and I remember being outside it was such a clear day here and the sun was shining and it was just so eerily quiet but we didn't know what was coming next and um, I called my job uh, and we're one of the major trauma centers outside of the city of Chicago and I called them and I said do you need me to come in and they said no you're actually due to be in charge tonight we need for you to be in charge tonight um, because as a, as a center which is positioned outside of the city of Chicago if the shit hits the fan in the city of Chicago, we then assume responsibility for all things like with disaster preparedness or disaster response is actually what it was. And this was before disaster preparedness was even like a huge thing. It was just something that was handled by, you know, first responders and emergency personnel. So, you know, I didn't sleep like that whole entire day. I remember calling up uh, that gentleman that I had been on a date with, he was uh, active reserve and I knew that he was going to be deployed and it turned out that he was going to be leaving and it was just like, it was one of those days and it, it was like heart crushing on so many different levels and inside of me, I felt drawn to go to New York. And I remember I was telling my mom, like, I just, I feel like I have to go there. Like, I, I don't even know where I would stay. I feel like I need to get in my car and go. But the thing that kept me in Chicago was the fact that we had a lot of responsibility here to run our own ship because again, we're a major hub in the nation and there was so much uncertainty with were there other terrorist attacks which were being planned and this and that. So I stayed at home because I was actually trained as part of, or was one of like the more senior nurses, if you will, involved in like, how do you handle mass casualties and, and disasters inside and outside of the hospital? So it kept me here, but it was like, my heart was always in New York. And, you know, things after that, I can clearly identify now, like, and I think a lot of people in the country would probably say this, like we had major economic downturn following that. Um, gosh, the, the aeromedical industry went through all kinds of issues. And I mean, things just really took a huge turn after that. And part of it was the growth of tech. But the other part of it was the fallout from all of the all of the things that happened following 9-11 and then it was the real estate you know market that crashed and dot 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 so like all these things like come cascading out and what's happening now is that I feel like I'm circling all the way around like I'm coming full circle like I live in the town where 9-11 for me I was when 9-11 occurred but the other thing that's really interesting 
when you are, let's say, restarting your life, which is what I consider myself to have done. Like I didn't just kind of change a little element of it. I changed the whole freaking thing. Like I gutted it out and I went back and faced the beasts, whether those were relationships, whether it was financial management and allocation and income structure, whether it was harboring resentments, whether it was health and fitness, whether it, it, I mean, every single dimension, like this was like a whole new way for me to design a life, if you would, rather than try to fit my life into the old template, I guess, which I was just, you know, flat out by the time everything was said and done, I was freaking exhausted in it. Like it just seemed like everything was breaking and I was tired of things being broken and being the cleanup girl all the time and always coming in to fix things that were incredibly broken and being recruited to come into people's broken organizations, but never fully empowered to make the changes that they were asking for me to actually do. So it's like a lot of series of things. But as you go along, like you learn again, like you learn who really is in your corner and you learn a lot about people and who is not and who you actually knew from the get wasn't in your corner. And what I've learned or my perspective on this is that you still have to have a vision for the future, right? And I, but I think as you go along, you can get dropped into, and I said the word like you, you have a pitfall, but it's actually like being dropped into a black hole sometimes where you are so down deep inside of there. And at some point, you have to make a decision on, am I going to stay here or Am I moving forward? Am I not just kind of sort of scraping out of the black hole? Like, what am I doing to actually get myself out of this black hole and then never go into it again? And not try to build my foundation on top of a pile of shit, which is inside of the black hole, like actually face the beast, especially if this has to do with relationships or anything like that, like, and reconcile. And that may even mean forgiving people or forgiving situations where you don't get an apology, right? So I, like, I look at 9-11, it got me to thinking about this. And I was pretty melancholy this morning, you know, between let's say like 8-15 this morning. And, you know, I have close ties with the fire service. And so knowing how they operate and the great amount of respect that they have for certain time periods, you know, in the morning of 9-11 and, and the ceremonies that they have and, you know, their willingness to make ultimate sacrifices for us on a daily basis. Like it's overwhelming when you think about that level of sacrifice. And the same thing with our military that, you know, I'm only able to do this because of what they do. And when you really start to, I think when you just get caught up in the day to day, like you just take for granted the fact that you're allowed to go to school without, you know, being harassed, like you're allowed to pick a subject, you're allowed to go to work, you're allowed to drive, you're allowed to do so many different things. And I never, for me, I don't ever like to take my liberties or my opportunities for granted. Like for me, 9-11 
it, I have all of my family members, all, a lot of the guys in my family have been in the service. So maybe that's another dimension that plays into how I view this, but never taking for granted those liberties that you have. Like somebody has to be willing to fight for us to be able to do that. And 9-11, like you got to see in front of you how these people, when they went into the towers, they knew they weren't coming back out again. You know, and like you hear the phone calls of the people who were calling either from the planes or from the towers knowing that they, they were dying, they were going to die. And it's, it's such an overwhelming day. And I was really just melancholy this morning. And I wasn't sure, like, is it disrespectful of me to snap out of this and put myself back into my business? Like, how long do I let this go? Is it disrespectful to my friends who are first responders or disrespectful to the people who died, whether they were victims or there were people who were, you know, working in service or to any of our service people who have been serving locally or even abroad? If I snap back onto my program and not forget them, but don't have that melancholy attitude. Like that's, that's where I was this morning. Like how long do you have to wait? And I don't know if there's a time period or not, but I will tell you, it made me think about the individuals who I know who are in those positions and they're in those positions voluntarily, not the victims, but maybe this would apply to them too. I do not think at all that a service person or a first responder would want any of us to mope and just drape around and not carry on with our lives like their sacrifice would have been in vain that's how i know service people to be like i i'm here i know the level of occupational hazard that i have chosen for myself and my family knows this and we died and yes this is sad and there's all kinds of things which spawn off of this but this is why i do what i do i do it for you i'm willing to give everything sacrifice my whole entire everything for you because that's my love of country that's my love of what I do and that's that's what God put me on the planet to do that's a calling for them just like nursing was a calling for me these people serve at a much higher level although sometimes crazy <laughs> God love them <laughs> but they would they do what they do for us and so once that couple of hours went by and I had that honest talk with myself you know what they want me to keep our country vital and my job now as a business owner is to create opportunities and to continue to grow our country economically the morale all of it all of it and so it got me to thinking like wow we what are the chances of me like being in this position that I am now as a business owner and being in the same town where I was when the shit hit the fan on 9-11. And I should also tell you, this is when I lived in this town, one of the other things that happened was I had a guy break into my, my it was a condo that I lived in, in the middle of the night while I was sleeping. And that would have been the second thing that really changed a lot about how I operate in terms of safety. Um, I had major, major, major problems with post-traumatic stress syndrome following that. I mean, it, it was real stuff. And 
boy, oh boy, like this day has just been like a, a place for me to look back and see like how much have you grown since those instances. Like it, it took me, I can't tell you how many years I slept with a baseball bat underneath my bed and I slept with the bedroom door locked. And I remember looking, um, I, I applied for my FOID card. I you know, was looking at nine millimeters and, and doing all kinds of stuff because I felt this overwhelming sense of panic inside of my home. And so when you go through like a traumatic experience like that, like post-traumatic stress is like a real freaking thing. And you know, the guy who broke in, like we never caught him. And how do you move forward with your life? You're having these physical symptoms. And I mean, think of the irony of this, like having post-traumatic stress. And it was to the point, like I couldn't be with my back to anybody like ever. And my first day back in the ER following that situation, which I think it was like in 2003 or something like that, um, I was in triage, which is like the worst place to be. Like you got people coming up to you, tapping you on your shoulder left and right. Like I remember, like you are just freaking raw, like from the inside out. And so if any of you are on the call, like I'm telling you, like you always have a choice. Like I knew that that was, <laughs> that was not going to suit me well. Like, and you have to find ways to overcome it. Do you know what I'm saying? But I think it goes back a lot to the type of person that you are. And if you're on this podcast, I know with 100% certainty that you are a person of action. Just sometimes you go along the way and you fall into these holes and you're not really sure how to maneuver yourself out. Okay? Transformation, it, it starts in your brain, but it, it finishes in your heart. You know, like where I'm at right now, like I'm definitely sad about 9-11. I'm like heartbroken that this guy got deployed, like the love of my life. And, you know, now over here, like I'm scared shitless out of my mind. Like I can't even be by myself. Like, I mean, you have all these things which happen to you. You still have to have that mental tenacity and that objectivity to know that you are veering off course. And that's where your brain comes in. That's when your brain puts the kibosh, like you're not, you can't go on that path anymore. You still have to go forward, even though you may not know where it is that you're going or how you're actually going to get there. And yes, you've got hurt feelings and yes, you have resentment and yes, you have grief and yes, you have anger, like you have all this stuff. When are you going to release it and move forward? And that's what's happening to me right now. Like since I decided, decided to restart my life, it's almost like life is working backwards where I'm re-meeting, revisiting is not the word, like the people from the past where I did not have either closure or forgiveness, not forgiveness, reconciliation of the relationship. That's forgiveness and reconciliation are two completely different things. Forgiveness is what you do. That has nothing to do with the other person. That's you like releasing the other person or the situation. That's forgiveness is. And that, that's so unnatural. Like you, that's what you need God for. Okay. And it's not pretending like it doesn't exist. Like it's honestly like forgiveness is I will never you know, I'm not going to continue to think about this. I'm not going to be bringing this up anymore to you, to myself. Like that's forgiveness. Reconciliation of a relationship is done in, in conjunction with the other person. 
okay so how do you you can't reconcile without the other person you can forgive even if they don't offer you an apology that's a choice so it still comes back to that mental mindset of what is going to give you the best life and and how do you want to be known in your life do you want to be known as somebody who just once you you hurt me like you, I'm never going to forgive you right and and you go through your own process like everything takes time in order to heal just like PTSD in my experience it gets better over time because I've pulled myself out of the instances where it would be heightened, but also there's been a long enough period of time now where some of those things fizzle out because I knew that that didn't serve me well. And please, you know, please hear me out. Everybody has extremes, you know, which are more that I'm just relaying my own perspective here, not saying that yours is identical to mine. Okay, so respect for your own situation. Thank you. But what are you going to do then when you face these people? or these situations again. You know, for me to move back into the town where I couldn't even drive into the boundaries of the town, for me, that's offering like, you know what? I've made peace with this. In fact, I love being in this town. I liked it from the get-go. I didn't necessarily like when I lived where I lived in that condo and I you know what? I knew that I shouldn't have moved in there and I was also warned um by the first responders in the town, they just said, you know, just be careful over there. You know, that a lot of things, when you get warnings from first responders, here's what you should know, is that a lot of times they don't go into the knit and grit because the things that they see, this applies to all emergency personnel, is that the things that they see, the things that we see are so bad that we don't want to ever tell you okay, exactly what it is. And you're going to think that you're going to, it's going to keep you awake at nighttime. And I was, I was duly, I just didn't pay attention to it. And so it was my fault again for ignoring my own intuition about it. But what I'm saying is that now having come full circle to be able to remember exactly where I was when 9-11 hit and experience all the feels and move through that and have reconciliation and forgiveness of a relationship that ended up not going in the direction that I wanted it to and then being able to be in the town and, and forgiving that guy for coming into my condo, like all of it. This is what I'm here to tell you is that until you make the decision to face your your demons, your beast, you know, face the beast. It's almost like you're not going to be able to move forward or you're going to have a kink in your system, in your flow, and you're not going to be able to build that beautiful thing, whether this is personal or professional front. Does that make sense? And I'm confident, I, I, this is not gender exclusive. This happens for both men and women. I think how it comes out is different between the two, but it has to do with who you are inside. I think who you surround yourself with. I was fortunate by the fact that my family were a group of survivors we definitely are, um, you know, the family that my, my, my home that I, who I lived with, I didn't know my dad and his family so well as intimately as I do, obviously the home that I was in most of the time. 
and we were taught survival skills from such an early age that moving forward, you know, making sacrifice to move from operating as a nurse with stable income and the opportunity for like endless income to go through everything to put something on a new track while facing the beast in every single area like it was full blown full body content it wasn't a sport it was like a freaking walking through the jungle that's what I can say looking back that's what it was like it was walking through the jungle with a freaking machete and just like the vines you kind of like Rambo which ironically enough was my uh, childhood nickname um, <laughs> that uh, it was like walking through the jungle you have your machete and like, there's these vines hanging down and you're just like you're trying to clear a path and you're just like cutting this stuff and like the brush is hitting you in the face and, and you're bleeding and you're you're sweaty and you're hot and then you go back in there with like maybe like an excavation crew and then you like level the land and then you get in there and you till the soil and you're pulling up stuff and roots from things because when you put your foundation down it's got to be solid and there can't you can't put it on top of black holes or piles of shit that were built up inside the black holes kind of like how people in the city of Chicago fill a pothole they just like dump <laughs> some hot asphalt in there and they think it's business as usual and those of us who are out here know that that doesn't work. You have to fix the whole entire road. Just that little band-aid of a thing doesn't work. So what I'm saying to you is that when you're doing this stuff, like you go down, but it takes everything in you to, to get yourself back up again. And while I know without a shadow of a doubt, I was raised to be a survivor, survival mode was not where I wanted to stay. And I'm not even just talking income. I'm talking in terms of expectations. And here's where I realized the breakdown was. One of the areas for me, maybe you can identify with this, is that when I was training to become a nurse and a figure competitor, I never trained just to go on stage or to just somehow do the bare minimum to get that job position. I wanted to be the best, like overall. I didn't just want a pro card. I want to be overall. Does that make sense? I didn't just want to be the flight nurse. I wanted to be the best practitioner, period, regardless of licensure. And that was the mentality that I had set. But other areas of my life, I, I, I kept on dropping those standards in terms of what I would expect or accept rather from people on the relationship status. And what I've come to learn is not everybody has the same heart as you do that it's only now that I'm watching social media that some of the influencers are talking about, you know, um, encouraging people to work. Well, what? <laughs> like, this is a given. But this is why I've had such a hard time the past many years is that I guess people have just gotten used to not working. And for me, I can't understand that. Like, we've been working for as long as I can remember. Like, I swear to you, I've been taking care of people since I was four years old, since my brother was born. Like, it, I haven't stopped working since that point. And I, I guess that's not the norm, which is, like, mind-blowing. Well, no wonder I'm having such a hard time because, like, people just tried to make things and get into a groove so they could coast. And that's, like, not even in my DNA, 
I am a total grower, like, and I can't be in the environments where growth is not the expectation in some capacity. I'm a total change agent. I'm like the person who calls attention to the elephant in the room and can show you like vital breakdowns in your infrastructure that once you address them, like you will have massive profitability. Like I'm thinking all of this from September 11th, like the things, the lessons that I've learned, like what are my takeaways? I was thinking about my business model. You know, I was having lunch with my mom today. Like this is incredible. You know, and I was just telling her today, it wasn't until I, I raised my prices that people started taking me more seriously as a businesswoman and started seeking me out. It's, it's just been such an interesting thing. But what I'm telling you is it has to do with you in setting not just your standard, but what is it that you're aiming for? What is it that you're willing to accept? How long are you willing to keep yourself either with your cement shoes on or in a damp and depressed state? whether that's mentally or financially or whatever, before you put your stake in the ground and you make that decision, I am here to carpet my damn diem. Can't afford to slip down anymore, it's time to rebuild. And when you're moving through it, the weirdest part of it is that it's like you're living two separate lives. When you're breaking down and maneuvering stuff around while you're building, the future over here it's like it's two different sides of you like you can see what you're building over there like you cut through the stuff with the machete like you you cleared the land you've tilled the soil now the foundation is being you know poured but over here like maybe you have massive relationship breakdown maybe you have infrastructure breakdown maybe you you completely lose your resources whatever that's like and you have to go through this shit first as a trial like how serious are you about this but also it, it tests your like you know your perseverance and your grit and your hunger and your tenacity and when you're low like that you still have to do something to give yourself a beacon of light and I thank God that we had social media that was coming out. And for me, it was YouTube at the time. Insta really wasn't that big of a deal and, and Snap hadn't even been invented yet or it wasn't even a thing. But when I got to listen to people like Les Brown and Eric Thomas and Tony Robbins, those three for me got me through some of the darkest and scariest times Again, this was not just financial time. This was when I was working through the shit of relationships. The apologies that I never got. The relationships where, you know, everyone's into closure. It didn't matter whether or not there was closure. You still have hurt feelings. And how long are you going to be willing to hold on to that shit? And once you decide to release it, you're still raw. And you're like, now what? <laughs> you know? And those three guys, I'm telling you hands down, are like, they were sent to me, they were my saving graces. And another one was C.T. Fletcher. 
Like, believe it or not, I mean, that dude, when I needed an ass kicking, I turned CT on and he just like gave me immediate like attitude correction. And you will always find that when you have that, that signal, like I need a landline right now. I've got no one to call. I'm so far into this thing. Like, I don't even know. I'm like dying. I just need one little oxygen molecule, like something. And you, you have to have an out. Whether it's somebody that you can call, whether it's somebody you can text, it's somebody to to sprinkle some positivity onto you and remind you that your station, wherever you are right now, it's not permanent. It it will get exponentially better. You just, you have to deal with with the animal that it is. And until you actually do, the lesson will keep on recycling itself. It will just show up in different forms. You've probably experienced that. I mean, does that does that hit home with you? Does that sound like something that you know happens in your real life? And you can either, you know, put your head in the sand and ignore it, or you can choose to look at that thing head on and say, you know what? This is gonna be scary. Like, <laughs> whoo! I do not want to I don't want to go in there. And your coach is like, get in there, and you're like, no, and he's like, get in there. And you're like, whoa. You know, and you'll find, you will find truth and you will find peace when you allow for it. And when you make the decision that that's what you're striving to have. The only way to organize and chill and settle your external is to have a very calm and centered internal. And that starts with the inside of you. But oftentimes what happens is that your brain starts thinking, right? And it's just like it keeps you awake at night. And it's like, but what if, but what if, and then this, and then this, and then this, and this. And remember that one other time. And And all of a sudden you're having like these arguments and you're bringing up and stirring up shit from the past. And you, right, and everything gets recycled. And then you're, you're losing sleep and nothing seems to be making sense and nothing is working. And then you just wake up the next day and you're like, okay, well, business as usual. But you're still harboring all this shit. Somebody has to be the leader. (laughs) That's what it boils down to. You know what I'm saying? And so when you decide that regardless of the circumstance, you choose to operate via love, you choose to operate via kindness, you choose to operate via peace. To honestly execute and embrace and embody grace under pressure. That's who you are. I don't know that that is always inborn in people. I think largely that it's groomed. And it comes about as you move through the forgiveness process. Which again is not natural. Especially if you've been hurt in major ways. whether this is a breakup, whether this is major attack on a country, how do you forgive? So when we remember 9-11, are we remembering the people who did that to us or are we honoring the people who sacrificed their lives or lost their lives and all of the families? Do you see what I'm saying? Like you have one point or the other. When it comes to forgiveness, there is no sitting on the fence. 
You're either on one side of the fence or you're on the other side of the fence. Even if you try to sit on the fence or you, your pants, like you were trying to jump up the fence and your pants get stuck on it, you're still hanging on the fence. That's what unforgiveness is like. When you do it, it's complete. And it's, it's just, it's, it's done with God. In, in my experience, those deep vested wounds, it is so unnatural for humans to forgive. It's it, just how it is. That it's part of our emotional makeups. It's it's really, it's unnatural for humans to forgive that level of hurt. That's where God comes in. That's the only way. In my experience, that was the only way I was able to actually face those beasts. And it got super ugly in there. I I mean I can't even tell you how many nights. It, it was almost like violent crying spells. It it may come as a shock, and I don't mean that to garnish sympathy from you, but I know what it's like when you're dealing with that shit, whether this is happening on the financial front, this is happening on the relationship front, this is something that you're dealing with within yourself. But as you go along this healing process, it's exactly how the human body heals. The human body heals from the inside out, from top to bottom, and then in the reverse order of symptom onset. And that's how this whole experience of restarting my life has honestly been. It's been from the inside out, from top to bottom, and in the reverse order from symptom onset. And as you go through it, you see you see why things had to happen. And before you just couldn't see them because you were like deep in the forest. But this is like you looking in from the outside and now you're either seeing why things had to happen or how other things happened as a result of something. And maybe it was true. Maybe it was something that you made up. Maybe you built a whole entire identity or operating system or a life based on a certain belief and then all of a sudden you realize it's not true and you're like, you know what, I don't have to carry this anymore. Like this, this is false or I'm actually done with this now. (laughs) Yeah, I I just, there's a whole world out there that I need to get more suitcases to like pick up really great stuff and bring it into the new thing that I'm building. I can't carry this shit anymore, okay? Like, I'm literally finished right now. Like that. And I'm telling you, when that happens, it is so freeing and it's so light and you're like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's, it's clear inside. And so even when stressors come as they do or storms come as they will, that's part of life. It's who you are and it's, it's, it's how you, you choose to operate yourself in those situations. And think back to the positive times and honor the things that should be honored and, and respect and, and grateful for, for the opportunity that you have to even be able to work through that shit again. As ridiculous as it could be. Does that make sense? All of that stemmed from thinking about 9-11 today. Where were you at? And how, when you go through the shit, how the rest of the world seems to keep on going forward. 
I remember that being, I remember during my stepdad's funeral that we were inside, uh, my brother-in-law was driving actually, and there was like behind us, you know, you leave like the funeral home and then you go to the church. And there, I swear to God, there was like three miles of cars following us. And we looked back and we were like, oh my God, this is the longest funeral procession ever. And it was so exciting. But then we came to a stoplight and, um, you know, the funeral procession was so long, like the funeral director, they didn't let us go through the red light because it would have taken like forever. So we were there and these cars were just zooming past us. And I remember thinking to myself, like the rest of the world is it's just going on. Like, we just had our whole entire core frickin' shook up. And it seems to have unfazed people, like the rest of the people in the world. And that's how life is. Like, you could be in the worst possible place. And it's, it's the most distressing because you're looking around and maybe people don't even know that you're going through it. I mean, those were strangers on the street. The most important people in our lives were totally there. It was the three miles of cars behind us, which was awesome. Like it's like the whole entire town, but you have to make that decision that we're either going to be here and honor a life in this case, you know, if let's say it was my stepdad and honor a life that was here and remember our fun times and remember who we are as a family, or we can sit here and be resentful about those people out there who seem to be unfazed by what the hell is going on. And the same thing when it comes to an event as huge as 9-11, like what do you do? Do you honor those people or do you hold resentment against people who are either not born or people who have just, you know, sucked up and gotten right back into the busyness of life? Do you know what I'm saying? And it comes back to you. What choice do you make? What's the type of person that you want to have? What are the things that you want to teach your generation, you know, the generations who are following you? so that they have those life skills and that they can lead themselves not just with their mind, but they have the heart that goes along with it. That's how a true champion is made. It's the mental tenacity and that that strength of will, but it's the purity and, and the gold of their heart, which catapults them into their greatness. Now, do they get mad? Of course they do. Okay. <laughs> Myself, I'm not excluded from that. But you're always able to calibrate yourself and, and chart and triage your course to see, am I, am I off scale here? You know, what's exactly happening? You know, I'm building these two different lives. Like, this one's very, very happy. There's still shit happening over here. I feel pulled in both directions. You have to still keep marching forward. You know, at the end of the day, all right, cover your ears if you have sensitive ears. Here's what I'm going to put up there. Here's going to be your challenge, okay? This is a huge one. And this was, this was actually my goal for myself for 2017, okay? I don't make stuff up that I either haven't done, wouldn't do, or don't necessarily have to do anymore for you. Like, I've been there. I've lived through it, okay? Here's your challenge. If any of this has resonated with you on this call, okay? In honor of the people who made the ultimate sacrifice on 9-11. And I'm telling you, every time I bring that up, it, like, it brings me to tears. So you're just going to have to deal. <laughs> Girls cry sometimes. 
<laughs> All right, and in memory of the people who innocently had their lives taken from them and all of their families. Here's the challenge. Whew, let's get myself back together. All right, sensitive ears, cover your ears. <laughs> your challenge, should you accept, is to unfuck yourself. Ooh, did she just say that? Yes, I did. And I'm telling you, I wrestled back and forth. Should I say that? Should I not say that? You know, I'm, I'm trying to be a better woman of God and, and be like the Proverbs 31 woman, but I don't know how else to say it. Like, unfrickin' fuck yourself, okay? You, go look this up. This is a quote. This is what inspired me to do the same, like face those nasty final beasts in my life that were keeping me stuck. Okay, it was, it's unfuck yourself. Be who you were before whatever it was that dimmed your fucking shine. Now you have a goal. Now you have a vision for the future. Go and execute on it. So thank you on this beautiful sunshine day of 2018. This is September 11th. Any of my first responders who are on this call, I thank you so much for everything. <laughs> that you do selflessly for all the people in the community and all the ways that you're wronged by the people who, who act like assholes as I know that they do. <laughs> and for all the ways that honestly, those of you who I know, you drive me fucking crazy. You're lucky I love you. <laughs> for all of our service people, Thank you for protecting us and for being willing to put it all on the line and for your families who allow you to do what you do. I thank you for the opportunities and the safety that you give all of us. And I know that I speak for everybody who's on this podcast as well. Be safe. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.